Um, <clears throat> this morning, the uh, message, I, it could go a little bit longer than normal, I don't know, uh, but I think, Dee, you got plenty of coffee started back there, don't you? So if you have to get up and get coffee or something to keep going, that's fine. Um, but there's a, a lot of heresy and misinformation about the Bible on new on the news stations and broadcasts and social media. And I just want to say, don't get your Bible teaching from there. <laughs> uh, in particular, there's a lot of anti-biblical misinformation about the Hamas-Israel war going on right now that is being spread. Colleges are teaching an anti-Israel, pro-Hamas worldview, which is overflowing into the streets. Politicians are using their governmental voice to build consensus for their anti-Israel laws and views. Our country and founding fathers, however, have a long-standing tie to Israel through the Bible. So which side should we be on? And, and is God on one side or the other? So my job today is to answer that question, those two questions, using the framework or the questions, what does the Bible say? <coughs> so I won't be citing this news station or that politician will be using the Bible. What does the Bible say? In fact, this is a core topic if you're going to have a biblical worldview. You have to address the issue of Israel. So a worldview is just more than being saved. A worldview is having uh, biblical doctrine embedded in you where it uh, influences your life, your thoughts, your discussion, your actions. So let's go back to 2100 BC. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start here. We'll go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, till we get to Revelation. <laughs> Long. Yeah, like, we might go over. <laughs> a lot more coffee. <laughs> Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This covenant from God to Abraham was repeated <coughs> several times. Uh, we're going to go to the next one, immediate one, chapter 13, verses 14 through 18. Chapter 13, 14 through 18. The Lord said to Abram, 
after Lot had separated from him. Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can count and number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. So this is the beginning of this whole story of Israel. And I want to just do a, uh, what, I, what I would say is a quick walk through the a biblical timeline of Israel. Um, going back to, say, 2348 B.C. in Genesis 10, Noah, this is right after the flood. Noah and his sons come off the, the ark. And he has three sons, and they each have many more children and sons. And they take up and reside in land areas, many of which are named after the sons. This is right after the flood. There was only eight humans that got off that boat before it started. Um, by the way, I want to point out to us that today, in the Jewish calendar, the date is not October 22nd, uh, 2023, it's 5,784. The Jewish calendar counts every day <coughs> from Adam and Eve. And you say... Well, wait a minute. Isn't the earth 17 billion years old? No. <laughs> we haven't argued with that. Uh, so that's the, the premise of the date on the Jewish calendar. Uh, in 2200 BC, we arrive at Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. And you'll remember the story there. God scatters everyone who was gathered in Babylon, the land of Shinar, modern-day Iraq. 1900 B.C., Genesis 12, where we just read. God calls Abram out of Iraq, where he was living, and sends him to the land of Canaan. And the, this is the land that God gave to Abraham, and it includes the area of modern-day Gaza Strip and West Bank and Sinai Peninsula. There were other people living here at this time in nomadic communities and city-states when Abram came down and walked the land. Not too long after, Abram goes further south into Egypt to escape the famine at that time. He comes back north later to Canaan, to the land he was at. And even though other people were living here, this is the land that God gave Abram and his descendants. This covenant was made to Abram, even though other people were living there. We're tempted to ask, 
Who gave God the right to give other people's land to Abram and his descendants? Hmm. Abram and Sarah, Sarai have two sons, which start two bloodlines and civilizations with opposing religions. This is the beginning of Judaism. Isaac, who's the son of promise, we know that um, Ishmael was the other son, but Isaac, the son of promise, and his son, Jacob, and his 12 sons populated and traveled and settled in the land, this land that God gave him, Canaan, until the famine. Abram's other son, Ishmael, went south into Egypt, and Jacob's brother, Esau, went east into modern-day Jordan, Edom. Edom is what it was called back then, but it's modern-day Jordan. Yes, there is also non-biblical history running parallel with biblical history. But the Bible is God's story of his people. And that's what we're focusing on. In 1890 BC, plus or minus, Genesis 46, Jacob's tribe, um, also known as Israel, they all relocate down to Egypt to escape the famine. They and their descendants lived there for 400 years as slaves. In 1445 BC, in Exodus 2, Moses is called by God to lead Israel out of Egypt back to Canaan, which is the promised land. It's referred to as the promised land. They wander around for 40 years, and Moses dies. Joshua leads the nation across the river into the homeland of Abraham. They conquer the land as God commands. And again, we're tempted to ask, who gave God the right to give other people's land to Israel? Hmm. The 12 tribes of Israel didn't conquer the land exactly as God commanded. They did they did not follow God's commands because it seemed too harsh. And as a result, people who remained came to contend with Israel throughout the rest of history. Uh, you know them by names. Ish, Philistines, Ishmaelites, Amalekites, Horites, Midnites, Edomites. You see all of these um, tribal land areas up here. Uh, the Hittites, the Moabites, the Gergesenes. And so... They had these ongoing battles. Between 835 and 700 BC, we had a few prophets, Amos, Joel, Isaiah, and they all prophesied future judgment on Israel and future restoration of the land to Israel. In 734 BC, um, by this time, Israel was split in two. They had a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom of Israel became captives to Assyria. Assyria went over, invaded, and they populated the land with their people and pulled the Jews out and then um, put them into modern-day Syria and Iraq, took them captive over there. The, the northern kingdom became known as the Samaritans. We're all familiar with the many stories in the Bible on Samaritans. In 603 through 537 B.C., 
Judah, which is the southern kingdom, the southern half of Israel, the divided kingdom, uh, they were taken captive to Babylon in modern-day Iraq. And a lot of these stories are detailed in First and Second Kings, Jeremiah, Zedekiah, Nehemiah, Ezra, and others. 33 AD, 33 AD, the Christian church is birthed. Where? In Jerusalem, Israel. In 70 AD, Rome destroyed the temple. They tore it down completely and killed probably a million people. <coughs> and Israel was evicted from that land, their homeland, that God had given Abraham. They were evicted from that land and dispersed around the world by the Romans, not Palestinians. In fact, Palestinians <coughs> are not in the Bible. You cannot find them in the Bible. So thereafter, 70 AD, the land of Israel traded hands multiple times, and the occupying Arabs widely adopted Islam later on when it was created. And the population of the area in this uh, region was small until 1948, and it was generally barren and undeveloped land. A lot of time, a lot of people considered it a wasteland. So that's the end of Bible history. And now we're rolling into modern history-ish. Um, 600 AD, a, a man named Muhammad creates the religion of Islam. It denies Jesus as Lord. It follows the line of Ishmael out of Abraham. Instead of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it follows the line from Abraham to Ishmael. And... Um, it becomes the majority religion of the sons of the East. I want to bring to our attention something that might escape our attention, and that is the Bible had already existed at this point for a couple thousand years. The Quran was created in 600 AD. So the Bible is, is true history going all the way back. 5,784 years. In 1300 AD through 1900 AD, the Ottoman Empire, which was Turkish, controlled the land of Israel. The Ottomans were leaders of the Turkish warriors for the faith of Islam. And they fought against the shrinking Christian Byzantine population in that state, that area. In 1922 AD, the Palestine Mandate was created by the League of Nations, who then ceded control <coughs> to Britain of the land, before the land, for the creation of a national home for the Jews. Between the sea, the Mediterranean, and the river. You'll hear in pro-Hamas, protests, they, they use it, from the sea to the river is ours. And that's what they mean. There's no Israel. It's ours. Um, at this time, there was still no Palestinians living here in this land. 
It wasn't a group of people. It wasn't a nation. There was no patriarch. There was no Palestinian patriarch. 1948 AD. Israel is given back the land, their, their historical land, by international decree after the Holocaust of World War II. This is the land that was originally given to Abram in 2100 BC. And they had been dispersed throughout this whole time from 70 AD up to 1948 throughout the world. And it was to be a homeland for the Jews, to live and be safe. Uh, Palestinians weren't living here. Again, there was no such thing at this point. The land was relatively unpopulated. It was undeveloped. And the Jews, when they moved in, they started planting trees. They started uh, growing things. And it started to become very desirable. In 1948, immediately after they had uh, taken the land and declared themselves as a nation, they were immediately attacked by all the surrounding nations. And in that battle, they lost Judea and Samaria, well recognized those geographical names from the Bible, but that is considered West Bank, modern day West Bank. So they lost Judea and Samaria to Jordan. And then they lost Gaza to Egypt. This was, all of these things were prophesied in Ezekiel 37, Amos 9, and Isaiah 66, among others. 1964 AD, the Palestinian Liberation Organization was established. And this is when a group of Arabs became known as Palestinians, and the identity was created. Palestine is not mentioned in the Bible. We mentioned that already. It has never been a nation state. The League of Nations in 1922 identified a broad area as uh, Jewish Palestine. Uh, the Romans back in uh, 70 AD came up with a, a, a slanderous name. They call it Syria Palestina. And it was um, derived out of their... Um, I guess their hatred of not only Jews, but the Philistines. So it was a, a slander. Um, the people in, in Gaza, well, I should mention this in case it escapes us again. The name Israel was a name that God spoke and renamed Jacob to Israel. There is a real person, a patriarch, of which the land is named after. So the people in Gaza um, are a mixture of descendants of the Philistines, the Judeans, the Samaritans, the Jordanians, the Arabs. And in the Bible, the area of Gaza down here was what we read in the Bible about the Philistines. That was the general area where they lived. And so they lived there from 1100 B.C. to 604 B.C. And then Nebuchadnezzar came in and virtually wiped out that whole people group. Jordan is ruled by the Hashemite kingdom who traced their lineage back through Muhammad and to his great-grandfather, Hashim. 1967 AD, Israel reclaims Judea and Samaria 
and Gaza back from Jordan in that war, and Sinai from Egypt. So they reclaimed these areas. In 1982, Israel gave the Sinai Peninsula back to Egypt as a result of Egypt recognizing Israel as a nation, a legitimate sovereign state. Nobody else around them does. They don't acknowledge Israel as a state, as a nation. In um, 2005, Israel gave Gaza self-governance, and they pulled out of that area and left it to them to govern. Two years later, in 2007, they elected Hamas for their government. 90% of the population voted for them. All right, that's, that's our quick Bible timeline. And there's a Bible future for the land of Israel, which I'm not going to go into today. Uh, it might be another, another event. But this we know, and we all agree. Both sides need Jesus. <coughs> he died for all. We can't forget that. We can't let hate fester in our heart for people because God still loved the whole world that he gave his son, Jesus. And so we need to maintain that. Um, also, I mean, still in the Bible, it still says that Ishmael, he had 12 sons also. And so he, they still, he still called him a prince, just as he called yeah. uh, Isaac. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't the son of promise. Right. Of, of those covenants that we spoke about in Genesis 12 and 13. Right. right. Um, so as for us today, in this modern world, we should take the side of blessing Israel, not cursing Israel. Amen. Amen. Um, if we side with those who are cursing Israel, are we not opposing God? Amen. So take the side of being a blessing to all nations via the message of the gospel of Jesus. That's what God is referring to. You will be a blessing to all nations because it'll be through your seed, Jesus, that you will be a blessing to all nations. The Bible says to pray for the peace in Jerusalem. The Bible is not saying that you have to take it upon yourself to carry out vengeance on Gazans or Muslims or to hate them, but you certainly must bless Israel and not curse Israel by taking their side against Israel. Throughout history, throughout biblical history, tribes fought against tribes, nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. This was the result of the fall of man. It was not God's desire. We have to remember that. Sadly, um, this violence and this fighting continues, and it will continue. Jesus said it will continue until the time that he returns. It will increase until the time he returns. We don't like hearing about it. It makes us sad, maybe makes us fearful. But God is on the throne. The ultimate enemy of Israel is Satan, who is obsessed with and is 
obsessed this in destroying Jews. And he's using whoever he will, whoever can be deceived. We must understand that this is a spiritual battle. It's not over land ownership. Satan is trying to destroy the Jews. Israel is special to God by covenant. We can't change that. We can't, we can't question God's choice. It just, mm-hmm. It's a fact. It's a covenant. Jesus was born there in the land of Israel. He died there. He was crucified there. And the Bible says that he rose from there and he will return there. When he returns, he's going to put his feet literally down right there in that land, Mount of Olives in, in Jerusalem. So it's no wonder that the nation of Israel, this little tiny nation of Israel, has been the most disputed land in history. It's been the staging ground of God's story of salvation. Israel, specifically Jerusalem, is our future and eternal home. Put that in perspective. When you're watching the news, when you're hearing about this, that's my future home. They're fighting over that. Salvation is of the Jews. How can we be against them? It's Jesus came forth from the Jews and, and brought us salvation. If it weren't for the Jews, we Gentiles would not know salvation. We Gentiles are grafted into the Jewish olive tree. Hamas are terrorists. And they're not deserving of our sympathy. But consider this. Their children will go to heaven if they die. If their children die while they're still young, they will go to heaven. Just as every child around the world. That's a tough one. But we have to have God's perspective on this. Jews are to be special to Christians because of Jesus. The future eternal home, that millennial reign, will only have, and, and the, the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, will only have Christians living there. Only Christians, followers of Jesus. There's not going to be any Orthodox Jews that deny Jesus. There won't be any Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, secular people, Spiritual people, New Age people, only Christians will be there in the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Does this offend you? Who has the right to decide all this? God. Our God. Everyone in those false religions is invited by God to be part of his family in the kingdom. But it's through Jesus and only Jesus. There is no other way. Jesus died for all. I want to finish up with a couple of the scriptures that are important. And, and this falls under the teaching showing us that the nations will be judged by how they treated the Jews. We have, that's a critical 
biblical worldview point. And it's right from scripture. It is not my political statement. Turn with me to Joel chapter 3. Um, so if you're in Old Testament, you're probably in Genesis, go past Psalms and Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you're closing in. Um, you get to Daniel, Ezekiel, you got a page number or something? Actually, okay, Joel 3, I'll give you a second to get there, nobody's getting time. Are you there? Joel what? Joel chapter 3. We're going to start with verses uh, 1 through 3. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, not if, but when, verse 2, I will gather all of the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Did you pick out that scripture because of this? Wow. Holy Spirit, honey. Okay. Then I will enter into judgment with them there. On behalf of my people and my inheritance, who is that? Israel. Whom they have scattered among the nations. And they have divided up my land. You remember back in Christmas of 2016 when the United Nations voted to divide up their land and the United States abstained. They could have voted no and vetoed it, but they abstained. Verse 3, they have also cast lots for my people, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Uh, move down chapter 3 to verse 18. We're moving to another time now. This is a prophesying of future time yet. And in that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water, and a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Shaddim. Egypt will become a waste. Egypt will become a waste. This is prophesied by God. This is the future. This is not hyperbole. And Edom, remember Jordan, to the east of Israel, will become a desolate wilderness. Why? Because of the violence done to the sons of Judah, in whose land they have shed innocent blood. But Judah will be inhabited forever, and Jerusalem for all generations. And I will avenge their blood, which I have not avenged, for the Lord God dwells in Zion. (coughs) The uh, next book is Amos, chapter 9. We'll pick up a couple verses out of there. Amos 9, verse 11. And he's kind of building on what uh, we just finished up with in uh, Joel. Verse 11, and this is speaking towards the millennial reign. In that day, I will raise up the fallen booth of David and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, i.e. Jordan, 
And all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, when the mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills will be dissolved. 14. Also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel. And they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. And they will plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land and they will not again be rooted from their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. So God chose Abram, Abraham to be a great nation and that he would be a blessing. And Abraham was promised land, seed, and blessing. America is not God's chosen people. <laughs> we are blessed if and as long as we bless Israel. All of the nations surrounding Israel are cursing Israel and they will be cursed by God. They, too, are not God's chosen people. However, in that statement, remember, it's a biblical principle that anyone, everywhere, no matter what, no matter what religion they come from, no matter what country they live in, if they come to God through Jesus, they will be grafted in to the olive tree of Abraham and go to heaven. So there's always hope for anybody everywhere. So this blessing of Abraham would extend to Israel and to the world because through Abraham's descendants would come Jesus who would take away the sins of the world. In Galatians 3, it says, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith <coughs> preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. He's, remember, he's the forefather of Israel and the Jews. And we have to understand that peace is only, only, only found in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. Peace cannot come from settlements, treaties, negotiations, concessions, peace can only come through Jesus. And it will come. It will come. And we individually can find peace in Christ right here, right now. Amen. We don't have to wait. All righty. Praise God. I don't know if that, that didn't go an hour, did it? That was good. Okay. Well, let's uh, gather around and pray for one another.